Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm not going to finish the chapter. I made a decision this morning um, after mulling and mulling over it. I thought, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to do something that I think is going to be impactful near the end because um, our overseers have walked through a lot of things in life. And I thought it would be neat after... after, uh, after talking to one of them the other day, uh, I, I thought, you know, I, I just, I want to, I want to interview them near the end. And because I think it fits so well to what, to what Solomon has to say. And I think that piece just fits together. And so we're going to end it a little bit differently today. Uh, I don't want to take away from, from anything you can continue to read. You can read just like I can read and you can study just like I can study. Um, but I think what we're going to do at the end, I think it's very, very appropriate uh, for us today. Um, how many of you guys have ever, um, ever heard of the riddle of the Sphinx? Anybody? Let's see if I have any intelligent people in here. I'm not too intelligent because I'd never heard of it either until I... Um, there's a, in Greek mythology, there is a, there's a, a story about a sphinx that guarded the entrance to this city called Thebes, Thebes. And um, to gain entrance to the city of Thebes, you had to be able to answer this, this riddle. And if you answered the riddle, you could get into the city of Thebes. If you didn't answer the riddle, to the, uh, you, to, you couldn't get in. And not only could you not get in, but, but Richard, that you'd also die. Okay, it's a pretty sad story. But anyway, um, let me see if I can give you this riddle and see if you can figure this riddle out. Now, Steve Rivers is probably, Dr. Steve Rivers is probably the only one in this room that can figure this out. But let me see if I can give you this riddle and see if you can figure it out. And this is the riddle. Which creature has one voice and yet becomes four-footed, two-footed, and three-footed? Man. Now, why in the world would you think that is man? Excuse me. It's an accountant in the room that has to define it. That's exactly right, Bill. It's man. It's, it's exactly right. Well, it, according to Greek mythology, King Oedipus is the one that, that, that solved the riddle and, and slew the Sphinx, and it was all over with. But it, that's, that's exactly right. It's, it's man. It talks about, really, the seasons of life. Just like Bill said, early on we're born, we crawl, you get older, you begin to walk on, all, on twos, but as you get older, there comes that point in time, we need that cane. How many cane people do we have here? The older I get, we seem you know, to get to walking on those, on those threes, but it talks about the seasons of life. But there's not just the seasons of life. How many of you like the seasons, seasons of nature? Do we have people around here that like the seasons of nature? I mean, how many people have traveled to North Carolina or, you know, New York or Boston to see the leaves change? Do we have any of those type of people in here? Miss Meredith decided one time that she was going to uh, uh, sort of give me some culture, okay? <coughs> so, let me see if I can explain this very carefully. <coughs> so, when uh, I think Abby was five, and Caleb would have been about three, and Anna Grace would have been about one, she makes this decision that she wants us to go see the leaves change in Boston, okay? <coughs> so... Um, 
So we, we set these plans to go. Um, it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> so we travel up and around and we see all kinds of people and we go into Maine and we go into Connecticut and she's telling me all these stories. Guys, it's pitiful. It's terrible. The only thing it did the whole time was rain. I mean, it rained the whole stinking time. And she's talking about, well, it, it, usually it's these blue skies and all these colors. And, and the only thing we did was listen to these videos on the, on the recorder as we're driving down the road. Change diapers, feed babies. That's all we did. And, dry, and see rain, and, and it was nasty. And I got so tickled because the last day that we were there, the, 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 the weatherman came on and he said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we just want you to know on recorded history, this is the worst worst fall on uh, for, for the season of leaves and I thought just in time for me to show up <laughs> you know who in the world would have thought poor Meredith she's trying to do something really special to make it special and here I show up and I ruin it all um, but we're not going to talk about the seasons like winter summer and fall today spring we're not going to talk about those today but we are going to talk about some of the seasons seasons of life and that's exactly that's what it, one of the things that that um, that Solomon is going to talk about. But when we talk about some of the milestones or seasons of life, what are some of the things in life that you think about? When you think about seasons of life, you think about milestones, what are some of those things that come to your mind? Birth? Marriage? Teenagers? That's a, that's a great time in life. What else? Who? Wait, one at a time. Oh, three-year-olds, yep, 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 tension. What else? What about like graduations? We said marriages. Uh, we said birth of children. What? Grandparents. What else? Who? Driving license. That's a, man, that's a, rite of, that's a rite of passage, isn't it? When the kids leave the house. Yeah. Why are so many of you laughing about that? <laughs> Some are going, but they just don't leave. Then others are going, I want them to go. Then others are going, I wish they would come back. I mean, what are, the, what are some of the other milestones that you can think of? What? Retirement. Getting old. Graduation from uh, elementary, birthdays, the golden years, having children, baptisms, college, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a loved one, the loss of children sometimes, or grandchildren or parents. You know, it's really hard. Those are stages and seasons in life, aren't they? And with every season, there's always change. With every, with every change, there's always stresses. You know, it, it, you, you, life never stays the same. And the older you get, the more you recognize that. I was at a funeral this past week, and I was just looking, and I was just reminded, life never stops. Life never stops. And with every change of the season, there's always a different tension. It's always something. And what I see now is that life doesn't look the same as it did when I was 15 or 20. I'm 50-something. 
And when I'm 60-something, life won't look the same as it did when I was 50-something. But I don't think about the same things as I did back then. And I promise you that 10 years ago that you aren't thinking about some of the same things. Carl Munn's not thinking about some of the same things that he was thinking about 15 years ago. We think differently. Here's Solomon a little bit older in life and he's reflecting. He's an older man that's accumulated different things, wealth and wisdom, women, fame, fortune. And here he is coming to the place in life and saying, there is no meaning apart from God because if there was, I would have found it. I mean, I've experienced it all and I'll tell you that if there was meaning apart from God that I would have discovered it because I've done it, I've experienced it, and if there was any, anybody, if there was anybody on this earth, because there's nothing in this world, I want you to know that brings satisfaction or contentment apart from God. And so I can imagine here Solomon writing down all of these things from his perspective, trying to, to articulate as best as possible for us some things to think about and to ponder on. Because he knows just like, just like some of us know when we spend a little bit of time that we don't stop long enough to ponder some of these things. And so I want to read this passage of scripture. We're going to look in, in chapter 3 and just, just read. Because right off the top, I mean, um, I mean, just look at what he says right off the top here in chapter 3. Because here's, here's sort of life in a nutshell. Starting off at chapter 3, verse 1. For everything there is a season. A time for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born as well as a time to die. A time to plant as well as a time to harvest. A time to kill as, and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather those stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search, and a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be quiet, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. And in the midst of all these times that he's listed, these 28 different seasons, where do you find yourself at today? Where do you find yourself? I mean, I would probably say that in the area of one of these, that you find yourself probably in one of these areas today. Here's a scope that sort of gives us the, the dynamics and the depth of God's sovereignty. And in the midst of these related opposites, I mean, here, here we find these seasons of life, that whatever season we may find ourselves, that God is there. And that God can be trusted. Before we go any further, let me pray for you because I have no idea what's going on in your life. And it wouldn't be surprising to me today if there were some of you that were really struggling today. And needing to know that the Lord was, was not only here and he was for you, but the Lord loves you deeply. Loved you enough something that he did something for you that only he could do. Let me pray for you today. Father, as we spend the next few minutes together, um, this is what I know is that 
just in our time together, we have already laughed and we have cried. We have mourned. Father, we have, we have wept. Father, we have recognized um, that there is a time to be born as well as a time to die. There are those that have been sick as well as those who are on the path to being healed. Father, wherever we find ourselves today, whatever circumstance or challenge that we may face, this is what I know, that amidst the uncertainty and the fears, Father, that you are there, that you are the creator, that you are sovereign, that you hold it all in your hands. Father, would you teach us something today? Would you speak to our hearts through your word? And Father, today, would you remind us that in all things that we can trust you? That's really important today. Whatever it is that we may be facing, that we can trust you. And God, I pray today that we would recognize and be reminded of the fact that our answer is not in our reasoning. That our answer is found in your word and in the fact that we can trust you. So help us today. Show us something that we'll have maybe that aha moment today that will just totally radically change things for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as we, as we look at this list, there seems to be really a comprehensive list uh, in reference to life. And this is what we need to make note of up over, um, right up front, is that God is over it all. Whatever it is that we may face, that God is, is, is over all of it. And here Solomon starts off by showing, it, showing us this natural flow, 28 different aspects in the cycle of life from a natural point of view. And there's really two different types of views. And I don't know if I really understand it all because it's very, very complicated. But you guys may have remembered Chandra the other day when he was here, the pastor from India, and he was talking about Hinduism and he was talking about reincarnation and all these multiple gods. Well, there's really two different viewpoints. There's the cyclical viewpoint of, of, of life, that there's this continual thing that life sort of goes on and on and on, and there's this recreation, uh, reincarnation view that life just, you know, and then there's this lineal view that flows out of uh, Judaism and Christianity. Here it was that, that God was creator, God has been, God's the Alpha and Omega, as Jim and I were talking earlier. He's the beginning and the end, yet God is doing something. And we see where God created the heavens and the earth, and then man sinned, and yet we see in the story of Genesis through Revelation that God is redeeming man. We see the birth of Jesus, we see the death of Jesus, we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we see the ascension of Jesus to heaven, and that Jesus is preparing a place for us that one day he's coming back, and he's going to take us to heaven. And we know through prophecy that that day is, is sooner, <laughs> listen, man, it's a whole lot sooner than what it was yesterday. And so we see this timeline. It's not that things are getting better, people. But we know that one day that Jesus is coming back and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And so there's two different, really two different viewpoints. And we see that we're move, moving towards this culmination. And so from a, a Christian perspective, life isn't cyclical and ongoing, but it's linear. Moving towards God's designed purpose of redemption. And Paul said this in, in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, make the most of every opportunity we have in these evil days because these days are evil. I mean, turn the TV on, look at the newspaper. What do you see all around us? 
Jesus' return is imminent. And the return is closer today than it was yesterday. And how many of us take those opportunities that we have to make Jesus known to those people around us in the hope that he brings? I mean, do you even think about that in the scope of life? How many of us take the opportunity to advance God's kingdom and live for God on a daily basis? Is it because we think that we have plenty of time? How many of us think that way? And we know this. We talked just, just, just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. There were really two basic tenets of time. There's chronos, which you know time is, is basically set off in, in measured time, like seconds, minutes, hours. And by the way, Jimmer's got a, an unbelievable watch back there. You've got to see Jimmer's new watch that he's got. I mean, one of them fancy watches. Right, Jimmer? Just, just hold it up so people can see it. No, not that watch. So there's chronos time, but there's also kairos. And that, that type of time is opportunity. And it sort of like explains. And the way the, the, the Greeks explained time was that once time is gone, don't miss it. You better grab it while you've got that opportunity. Because once it's gone, so is its opportunities. And you think about all the opportunities that we happen to miss. And Solomon says, in light of the seasons, life apart from God is meaningless and without, without purpose. And when that opportunity is gone, once it's slipped by, we can never go back and, re, and recover it. It's impossible. And think about the opportunities of time as we think about it. Think about the time. You know, today it's gone. That's why it's called the present. Because today is a present. Because tomorrow... Once it's gone, you can never go back and regain it. So about thinking about the opportunities that God will give us today, what those opportunities might be. But look at then what he goes on to say there in verse 9, as it talks in reference to man's work and in the season of God's work. And let me just read this to you. What do people really get for all of their hard work? I've seen the burden that God has placed on us all. Yet God has made everything beautiful in its time. He's placed eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded that there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken away from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future has happened before, because God makes the same things happen over and over again. Now, let's think about this in reference to work. We know that work was something that man had before the fall. If we go back to Genesis chapter 2, we see that God had given man the responsibility of work prior to the fall. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, I think, or somewhere in that line, God was given the, a man was given the responsibility to tend the garden and to look after it. But we see after the fall that there was a difference that was made because now he would tend the garden and there would also be thorns and there would be thistles and there would be the sweat of the brow. In other words, let me just say it to you very promptly, I guess very, very simply. If you don't work, you won't, you won't eat. It was going to be difficult. There would be a purpose behind man's work. And there are some benefits, some temporal benefits to work. So let's, maybe, let's talk about some of those temporal benefits. What are some of the, 
some of the benefits, if we talk about work in general, what are some of the temporary benefits of work? What are some? Paycheck? What else? Insurance? Benefits? Accomplishment? Could be accomplishment. What are some other temporary benefits of work? What about relationships? Enjoy a feeling of accomplishments? What else? Sense of purpose? Okay. Lots of opportunity. I mean, think about it from this perspective. You know, we think about what are some of the benefits. Um, lots of benefits. I mean, some people just like to work, period. But look at what he said. What do people really get from all of their hard work? Every one of those things that we just listed is temporary. A paycheck is temporary. It's temporary. It's not going to last. Sense of accomplishment? Yeah. Yeah. Relationships? Hmm. All of those things are temporary. And he says, I've seen the burden that God has placed on us all. Here's Solomon looking from his perspective. I've seen it. But everything is temporary. In other words, it's not going to last. None of it is eternal. And he goes on to say in verse 11, yet God has made everything beautiful for its time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. And even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. I mean, it's, it would seem like, how many of us get caught up in the process of just going to work day by day by day in the monotony of doing it over and over and over and missing out on the great scheme of maybe what God might be doing? And instead of investing ourselves in something that's of eternal value, it's something that's temporary. And there's a sense that nothing that we can do in our work can influence eternity when God is not present because life without God is meaningless I mean take God out of the workplace it becomes just menial menial and I go back to the passage of scripture that talks about that no other foundation can be laid than that which is Jesus Christ that regardless of what we build and regardless of what we put together it will only crumble without God talk about the story of the wise and the foolish builder Sand and stone. So man's work is temporary and it can be so frustrating. And then he goes on to talk about the temporary, the temporal perspective, the day in and day out. Um, um, and look at there what he says again in, in verse 11. People cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. Without God, I can only see the temporary. It's a job, it's a paycheck for insurance. I mean, you think about it. I mean, when you take a job, when I sit down with seniors and we start, when we used to sit down and talk about their positions, you know, when you, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, it was all about a paycheck. It was all about something that they wanted to do. And I, man, to bring it all back in perspective, what do you think that God wants you to do? When you think about eternity and you think about an investment for eternity and, and in God's kingdom and, and to advance his kingdom... Maybe is, is there something different that God would have you to do than what you're doing right now? Is there something maybe that God would have you to do than what, than what you're maybe thinking about? In other words, assuming that God exists and that He is eternal, that God has something for you to do, that He does has a purpose, is there something that He has for you that will impact eternity? 
Do you believe that God has a purpose for you and that purpose was set in line before time began? You know, one of the most discouraging things is to, is to believe that but not be able to see it. That's hard. I mean, to have this hope and to long for it that God has placed inside of us but not be able to, to see it. That as a Christian, to have this sense of eternity, to know that we, that we have the ability to, to influence the lives of others. You know, it's like, it's like the farmer that plants the seeds and yet never sees the harvest. It's like going to the movie and always walking out to the end of the show and never seeing the end of the movie. Meredith hates that. Man, if we miss a piece of a movie, i got to go return it. I know before it's, she'll say, if she gets up to go someplace to get something and we're sitting watching a movie, I know, but I better watch the time because we'll have to go back and watch it. She's not going to miss it. She don't want to miss a part of the movie. But how many of us have a, have a, a temporal perspective of what God is doing? We don't see the whole picture, and so it can be so frustrating and so aggravating because we can't see the picture of what God is doing. We only see a little part of it. People cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end, so we settle. We settle into the, just the job or just the paycheck or just the, just the insurance. That's a big deal, by the way. What about the temporal purpose? He says in verse 12, So I concluded that there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can, and people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, and these are gifts from God. In other words, get that paycheck and put a roof over my head and clothes on my back and food in my belly and a little bit extra. But the best of my labor and my benefits are only temporary. But I want you to contrast that in reference to God's work. And think about it from the perspective. I mean, here we are talking about work from, man, it's meaningless. Without God, it's meaningless. I mean, when you go to work during the day, do you ever think that maybe God's involved in the midst of that? You ever think that maybe God has placed you there for something that's much larger than the paycheck? But look at what he says here in verse 11, going back again, that life does have meaning. That with life with God has meaning and purpose, yet God has made everything beautiful for his time, that he's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. The eternal purpose that God makes everything beautiful in his time. There are three guys that were, that were in the midst of, of doing the same job, and a guy walks up to him and he says, man, what are you doing? He says, I'm chiseling stone. What in the world do you think I'm doing? He goes up to the next guy doing the same job. He says, what do you he says, man, what are you doing? He says, what do you think I'm doing? I'm earning a paycheck. He goes up to the next guy. He says, let me take a guess. You're chiseling stone. He says, no, man, I'm not chiseling stone. He said, oh, let me take another guess. You're earning a paycheck. He says, no. He said, I'm not doing either one of those. He said, well, what are you doing? And he says, man, I'm building a church. That's what I'm doing. It's so easy for us to to settle for something less. This guy had a, had, a, had a bigger picture. You know, two of these guys only saw the temporary. The other one saw something that was much bigger than that. He saw something that was eternal. He knew that God had set him up for something that was much larger. Have you ever thought that maybe God has placed you here for such a time as this to accomplish something that is much larger than what you ever dreamed or imagined? That because of your relationship with him, because of what God is doing inside of your life, that he has something for you to accomplish, for you to be part of, that is 
that is, that is, that is so important for his kingdom work. Have you ever considered that before? This outside the boundaries of your abilities and time schedules, that here is God is wanting to use you and your availability to do something that's so broad and so large, that's not just temporary, but eternal. And the benefit is eternal. And I know is what it says in verse 14, and whatever God does is final. God does is final. That work that God does inside of us, that spiritual work God does, it cannot be added to or taken away. It's mature and it's complete. To know, to know and believe that who God is and who God says he is, that you become mature in your faith, knowing God and fearing him and standing in awe of him. And in verse 14, it goes on to say that God's purpose is that people should fear him and know him. But also the eternal perspective. What is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future has happened before in verse 15. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. That God is all-knowing. There was a word, omniscient. You guys know what that word means. It means that the knowledge of the past, the present, and the future. And I guess that's part of the really frustration that we can't see it all. But God sees it all. God sees the total picture. He sees, he sees everything. The best that we can hope for inside of our lives is temporary satisfaction so many times because we can't see. And so how many of us, how many of us just spend most of our time in our jobs just hoping that we can put bread on the table and hoping that we can put clothes on our back and, and hoping that we can, we can pay the bills? And yet God's got something that's much larger and much grander for us. There's something much bigger and better that we can attain, but apart from God, nothing, nothing satisfies. And we wonder, listen, we wonder why the divorce rate is so high. We run, wonder why people are so dissatisfied. We wonder why, why we struggle so much. We wonder why people, um, it's all a result of lack of satisfaction. Because nothing apart from God satisfies over the long haul. Sure, listen, it may, need that, it may meet that need for that moment. But D, over the long haul, you know what you're going to end up doing? You're going to find out that there's a hole in the bottom of that need. That after a while, there's going to be something else that you're going to have to plug it with. Because the temporary does not satisfy the eternal. It never works that way. Man's work can never provide the eternal satisfaction comfort or security that we all seek only God can do that so you got man's perspective and listen without God it's all meaningless it's meaningless yet God when he comes into the picture and we understand that with life God brings meaning what I wanted to do to close up things today I wanted to stop there for a second because I think the story at the end is large because I was talking to one of our overseers and their spouse the other day in, in reference to life because they've been able to accomplish an awful lot. And it was really significant in our conversation. Tom, I want to see if you and Sandy would come and sit with me for a second.
sit up that time? No, no. I'm gonna hold you. Feels good to be taller than me, doesn't it? Yeah, that does. <laughs> we were having a conversation the other day, and and Tom said some very significant things. There was a there was a time in Tom's life. Tom went through some really difficult things. Um, Tom, I believe if it's okay that we talk about this, it brings perspective. There was a time, did you find yourself in the hospital at the bottom of the barrel one time? Yeah, in my late 20s, I was in the hospital in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And during the time that I was in that hospital, uh, that's a whole other story why I was in there. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking and no one came to visit. And I said, I'm going to make some money. And I'm going to make a lot of it. And that's what I planned the whole week I was in that hospital. As a matter of fact, when you met Sandy, wasn't that one of the first things that you told Sandy? I told Sandy when we got serious. I said, uh, if you marry me, we're going to make a lot of money. So that was your focus? That was it. You? I wanted to be a, uh, I was a carpenter driving nails for a living. I wanted to be a job super. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I went to work with First Florida that built uh, Burger Kings all over the country. And they made me a job super. And so that was my first, I'm there. But you, you, you had this thing in your mind that if I could just, I could just get to this place that I will have obtained, that if I could just get to this level, that this sense of satisfaction, this sense of worth, this sense of value, that, that I will have, have achieved it all. Um, um, you did pretty well, didn't you? Well, once I made job super, that was a big accomplishment. And it wasn't long I realized that that wasn't satisfying the push that I had to make lots of money. And uh, so then I started a little company. I was just going to put in light poles or pave a parking lot. And I got a license. And uh, then things didn't work out with the company I was working with for years that taught me to build Burger Kings. And I went in and told the guy in charge of it, Bill Miller, and I met him a few years ago in Mount Dora again, and I told him that I was gonna quit and build Burger Kings. And he said, if you'll stay, I'll give you the Hardee's account. But I said, no, I wanna build, I spend all this time with you learning to build Burger Kings. And so that's what I'm going to do. You wanted to own your own Burger King? I wanted to own first my own construction company. And that's what that led to. I built the first Burger King in Connecticut. Hmm. And I mean, it was unbelievable because I had worked in a four-story building 
And this was the first time on my own I pulled up my <laughs> motor home, let the step down on the site, and we built the first Burger King in New Britain, Connecticut. But that wasn't the only thing that you owned. You owned several other things. Yeah. I, as I began to build Burger Kings, that first one that I built, I remember I made $55,000 in 60 days. And uh, What year was that, Tom? That was in 72, I think. It's pretty good money back then, wasn't it? It was, and I thought, boy, I'm, I'm a general contractor. I'm building a Burger King. I'm successful because I made 55000 And so that was one of my big goals was to become a general contractor. And it wasn't long that that didn't work out. I just want to throw one thing in here. <clears throat> All through this time, he, he would talk to me. He said, you know, just there's something missing. And, and it was like he needed to fill this. And he, again, you were saying other things, cars and houses and all that was being purchased too to try to fill that void. Hmm. Yeah, I put a lot of things in that void that I don't know what it was, but I had several goals in life. And then after becoming a contractor, I decided I'm building Burger Kings for these guys. And we'd sit down and figure if you could cut 20,000 out of the building and help them. And then I'd come back a year later to build their second Burger King. And they'd carry me out on their 41 foot sailboat. And, and I said to Sandy, I think we're on the wrong end of this. <laughs> I think building them is one thing and owning them is something else. So then I set the goal of if I could own my own Burger King. And I went through all that you have to go through to become a franchisee. <laughs> and I remember going to, to Miami to Burger King and I think they wanted a net worth of 250. And we made all that. Yeah, but they didn't tell me it was like net quick. Not <laughs> net worth 250, no problem. But they wouldn't claim any of the equity. So I made that, and they said, okay, you can build one in Watertown, New York. And uh, I, I used to build franchise restaurants. And I built this one in like 39 calendar days <laughs> from tearing the house down to cutting the ribbons. And it's still, it, it was wonderful. I mean, it was the highest volume Burger King that opened in that year. And what you told me the other day was that you thought when I could just open that one, I'll have attained it. But there was something that happened that night because you closed the door. And when you closed the door, you sat down. And what did you say to yourself? Is that all there is? <laughs> yeah. 
I remember that um, I had that same feeling. There's something missing. And almost immediately, we were looking for churches, Sandy and myself, because with seven kids to raise, I thought if we could go to church, they, they would help. <laughs> that makes sense, right? And of course, we were looking for a church like we did a house and anything else. I mean, we were looking, the one was built, uh, their service was on TV. And I went to a small church, it was in Niagara Falls, and we had been a couple of times. And then one Sunday, we were sitting like second row from the back. <laughs> I always sit down front now, but. And you're not a believer. And I wasn't a believer. And me and Sandy, if you'd asked us what kind of marriage we'd have, we'd say a 10. But. I don't remember what David Osiru was preaching about, but the Holy Spirit was dealing with me, and he was dealing with Sandy. And so when I stepped out in the aisle, she thought I was making room for her to go to the altar, so she headed to the altar, and I was about two steps behind her. But I remember this, before I ever knelt at that altar, I felt that release that I had put houses, cars, everything in. I felt that release as I got to the altar before I ever knelt. I felt it just go away. I couldn't believe all the things that I had done and yet that was it. When I accepted God that was the end of that feeling. I never had it again. Didn't trust in that any longer, did you? No. All the things that we had built and I had a beautiful home. It was like 10,000 feet. It was on the river. It just didn't mean anything. It uh, was something that I had that feeling that I had to have. But when I accepted Christ, that was the end of it. I do have to say he has never wavered from that night till today. I mean, this man loves the Lord, and he's, been, he's not only been a testimony, but he lives a testimony. You know, I, I think about going back and life without God lacks meaning and purpose we talk about the work temporary benefit temporary perspective temporary purpose you just told us about that but after your relationship with the Lord God totally changed and there became an eternal perspective because you and Sandy have spent the last 40 years 35 years, 45 40, years, 45. but how many years have you guys been mentoring young couples about 35. You've spent the last 35 years of your life not trying to acquire, not trying to do things to satisfy, but you've spent the last 35 years of your life on more something that's eternal. 
trying to trying to saying, God, I want to I want to be a part of something that's larger, your kingdom. I want to be a part of something that I may never see the end result of it, but you've put that in my heart. I may never see the the end result of these couples in their lives and their children's lives that have been impacted and, and what happens down the lives of the generations. Um, but God's put that in your heart and your in your ministry and your work of what's what's taking place. God's done something incredible. But it's but it's and there's and there's been satisfaction in it. And there's been purpose. If you'd have ever said to me that you were gonna be counseling young couples in marriage that's in problem having problems, I'd have said no way. <laughs> I was very impatient. <laughs> yes, anyone that knew him would have said that too at that point. <laughs> but, God has but God laid it on our heart. And uh, a lot of times now when, when we are counseling, and sometimes it works out great, mentoring, but sometimes it don't. And there, there's there's not a dissatisfaction. We've done what God asked us to do, and if they accept it, that's fine. But if they don't, it's still fine. Because you're doing what God's called you to do. That's right. Yeah. What would you say? You're Solomon. You're Solomonette. Okay. <laughs> Last words of wisdom. Last words. What, what, do you, what do you say? Well, I really, words of encouragement. going through this, uh, that meaningless is, is so true. We tried for so many years to, to build and do and do and try to fill that void that only God can fill. And I have to say that he is so faithful every day to fulfill the needs that we have. And monetary things, we live in a monetary world. That's not where it's at. Just seeking after Christ is where it's at. I'd say don't spend your whole life trying to build something that's going to satisfy within. Give your life to Christ. You'll be happy. And so I think the last words are maybe this, that may be a good way to close. There's a whole lot more to this life than this life. And if you don't know Jesus, you're missing out. And even those of us that know Jesus, we can miss out too. Does that make sense? It's easy for us to miss out. And so what does that look like for us? Um, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the beginning. That's not the ending. For those of you that would love to be a part of Connect today, we'd love to have you join us over in our fellowship hall. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Would you bow with me? Father, I pray that, that you have taught us something today um, that we've heard. Life without you is meaningless. Father, in, in the great scheme of things, that it is so easy to be um, 
to find ourselves just running that race and, and finding ourselves um, dissatisfied and just becoming so, not just dissatisfied, but Father, getting so caught up and, and Father, just, uh, just struggling. I pray that, God, that we would turn to you today and we would recognize and understand that in all things, God, we can trust you. I pray that we would, we would uh, see that our, our workplace is a, is a place of ministry. It's not just about a paycheck, and it's not just about um, benefits. It's not just about um, maybe accomplishing something that's temporary, but God, you give us a workplace as, as a place of accomplishing something that's eternal. And so wherever we may be involved, we would see it as an eternal, as a place of, 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 uh, of doing kingdom work. Father, I pray that, that even today, Tom and Sandy's testimony has impacted our lives. I thank you for, their, for just them sharing the story as they look back on lives, on just on life and how that, how that impacts us. I know that there are multiple stories here that can be shared. Um, Father, I'm, I'm praying today also for, the, for those that may be here that don't have a relationship with you. Father, I ask that even today, may they come and find me right after this service, that they have the ability to make that decision to trust you and, and follow you right there where they are, to say, Lord, I, I have just made a mess of stuff. But Jesus, today, I, I want to give my life to you. I want to recognize that you love me enough to send your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And then, even though I don't understand it all, Father, today, I want to place my faith and I want to give my life to you. Father, for those of us that are believers here today, even to be reminded that we're a step away from stupid every, every minute. That, Father, that remind ourselves that, we've, that we're going to wrestle with the tensions of life and that we're going to wrestle with what's right and what's wrong and we're going to have to make decisions on a daily basis. Help us to, to keep in perspective, Father, what you would have us to do. Father, I pray that as we walk out these doors, we'd be reminded of whose we are and who we represent. We're yours. Father, I pray that we would be your ambassadors this week. May we live for Jesus. Father, may we talk about you. May we live for you, and first of all, not in the workplace, but may we live for you and talk about you. Father, may we, in our homes. Father, I'm, I'm praying for our, just our, our missionaries that are serving. I'm praying for Brandon today and, and for, for uh, Zach as they're serving today at at uh, Centrifuge and Missionfuge, I'm praying for them and asking that you would, you would bless them. Be with us in the rest of our week. For this summer, Father, I pray you protect our hearts. May you keep us safe as, in the traveling mercies as all of us will be traveling and going all over the place. May we keep one thing in mind, though, Father, as we go. Father, how are, how are we advancing the kingdom? What are we doing, Father, that is kingdom-minded? How are we using the gifts and talents and abilities that you've given us to advance your kingdom so that others may come to know you in a personal way? In Jesus' name, amen.